world's not as simple as it used to be. It's not enough to be a good guy anymore. We have to be the best. The time has come. All will be accounted for. Or we will hunt them. Stand up. It's time to be the heroes we were always meant to be. Uh, so what you need is a pillow fort. Pillow fort? Pillow fort? That's kind of how I recorded last time. One of my time, favorite but... Magic the Gathering archetypes. <laughs> Just when you think we can't we can't stoop to a nerdier level. We can always stoop to a nerdier oh. level. <laughs> oh, you have no idea how much I restrain myself to keep myself human. <laughs> to keep this mainstream nerd. <laughs> I You don't even know. I don't even want to put this on, on recording. For Christmas, I received a body pillow. Anime body pillow. <laughs> what's her name? What's her name? It's Ishtar from Fate. I was joking, oh, but you're Fate? really serious. <laughs> I am. Oh god, I am dead serious. I had a I had a bet with like my old roommates from Portland that when I moved in with these roommates, it would be it would be a year, and in that that time that time span, I would inevitably have a body pillow at some point. I won because it took more than a year, but it was only by like a couple of months. Yeah, did did you win though? You still have a body pillow. You know, winning is relative. <laughs> Honestly, I'm more disappointed by fate than by the body pillow. Why are you disappointed by fate? Uh, fate's dumb. It's the Fate Go, which is the video game, but it's also the really good series. I like that one. It has excellent sound design, actually. It made my speakers go burr. <laughs> <laughs> we should make this podcast go burr. This is the Superhuman Registration Podcast. We're here to read and rank uh, whatever Marvel comics we can get our hands on, which, you know, we've got Marvel Unlimited, so it's most of them, which means we will be doing this forever. Forever. We have unlimited access. Marvel at our unlimited access. It works both ways. The service is unlimited, but also the number of books theoretically unlimited. You know what I like? I like when jokes are explained. I I, th- I feel like it really just ups the comedic factor of a joke. Mm. How, how can you improve on a joke by making sure people get it? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Really driving that point home. Really, really uh, passionate about explaining my joke. You know, if you keep this up for another three minutes, you could write for Family Guy. Anyway. <laughs> oh, no, I don't, I don't, I don't have the materials to, to make a cutaway. <laughs> need a f- little foley studio <laughs> yeah. where do we want to start today how about i start how about we start with dr strange dr strange dr yeah. strange okay so we read dr strange the oath which is a story wherein strange is working hard to find a magical cure for wong who has terminal cancer. Strange goes into another dimension and finds this magic elixir, I think it's called the Elixir of Otkid, and brings it back to Earth in order to study it before he administers it to Wong, wants to make sure that it's safe to use. Realizes that it is not just a cure for cancer, but it can cure all human suffering. However, Strange isn't the only one who's made this realization. A uh, rival of his, an old uh, doctor, Dr. Nicodemus West, that was the name, I couldn't quite remember it. So Dr. Nicodemus West is also aware of this formula and its myriad uses. West is 
a member of the board of directors, or he's the CEO of a company called Timely Pharmaceuticals. And pharmaceutical companies don't like, you know, drugs that can cure all diseases because pharmaceutical companies are definitely, definitely evil. And so they want Nicodemus West to get a hold of the elixir and destroy it. West hires some C-list villain to do that. I don't remember. Was that the looter or the burglar? Oh, I just blanked on his name. It's something of that, of the like. Let me, dang it. It's something kind of dumb. It'll come up. It's fine. (laughs) Anyway, so in the course of getting this brigand the brigand yeah well that's worse than i thought yeah me too i was like yeah looters something yeah that's pretty good but yeah looters, there is a looter yeah he is a looter is but a i'm looter. saying like his character name yeah oh there's also a villain named the looter i believe oh there's also betrox the leaper in the course of all of this strange actually winds up getting shot the the brigand i guess shoots him with a handgun the same handgun that uh hitler used to shoot himself so it's got bad magic mojo and that winds up injuring strange strange gets medical attention from a side character called night nurse who refuses to let strange go off and and finish this adventure by himself because he's still injured from his gunshot so she accompanies him so you've got strange and wong and night nurse all teaming up to get this elixir back from kindly pharmaceuticals whole thing ends with this big like fist fight on the roof uh dr west casts a spell that prevents magicians from using their magic and so he and strange get in a fist fight and over the course of the fist fight the vial of uh the elixir of otkid smashes on the ground leaving only enough of the elixir for a single dose and strange is faced with the choice of either giving that dose to wong to save his life or trying to manufacture more so he can fix all of the problems in the world, but Wong will probably die while waiting. And Strange chooses to administer it to Wong, and it's kind of this uh, interesting morality question, this sort of philosophical question, because Strange is a doctor. And so the oath in the title is actually a reference to, among other things, the Hippocratic Oath. So I think it's a really interesting story. There's a lot of interesting debates to be had about it. What did you guys think of it? I liked it. Um, you know, I'm uh, inclined to like uh, Doctor Strange, even though, like, they kind of, I don't know, they they played him as, I don't know, I guess he is, like, arrogant, you know, that's part of his thing. Um, but a lot of times when he is by himself in, or not by himself, excuse me, like, part of a team, he's kind of the, like, the voice of reason, the wise one or whatever. And sometimes I think a lot of Marvel heroes sound alike, where they're all kind of, like, cocky and jokey and, you know, they're leading this, you know, they're running the story and it's rare when we get someone who isn't like that for their own, you know, solo comic. But um, I liked it. I don't know. I thought, like, the art was fine. It, um, you know, had a, you know, unique style. It was not, like, technically the best. It was kind of like a... I got kind of a Darwin Cook vibe from it a little bit. I don't know if you guys saw that, but... Yeah, um, I love that you say it's not technically the best, and then you go on to reference one of my favorite comics artists. No, I mean, I'm saying, um, like, I love... You no, know, like... How do I say this? Like, <laughs> it's stylized in a way that's like it's not like you know perfect anatomy but like it's it's the style of it makes up for any little like oh those hands are kind of small like any weirdness like that i don't know i well uh, sorry well we're on that topic i haven't actually gone over the creative team let's let's do that real quick story is by brian k vaughn art is by marcos martin colors by javier rodriguez and letters by willie schubert yeah i'm actually like a a really big fan 
especially stuff like Pride of Baghdad, probably one of my favorite books. Why the Last Man, the the first two volumes that I've read. <laughs> saga, saga is an. I still haven't book. read Saga. Uh, maybe a little too adult for your taste, buddy. Currently, there's a humble bundle where you can get like most of Saga. Mm. So if that's the thing you're interested in, I'm really excited that it's back, back on print or like back to new issues coming out. That was a long. Oh, high saga's years. not finished. Not by stretch. Oh, I thought it was. I think they estimated that they were about halfway done, which is when they wanted to take a hiatus. And the hiatus was only meant to be a year. But I think it turned into almost three years because, you know, a pandemic. Sure. But, um... <laughs> Best laid plans and all that. Yeah, so so it's back It's back to uh, running. But, but this isn't the Saga cast. Though I would love it to be. But That's Fiona Staples. <laughs> yep. But, uh, yeah, no, I, I really I really like the writing in here. Really liked the art. I really liked kind of the stylization made it made the book fun to like look at um i got through this very quick as well same um i think i think brian cave on is a very like uh, what's i don't want to say effective um efficient efficient thank you he's a very efficient writer and i think his books tend to flow a little faster than you would expect marcos martin is i really like marcos martin he his style is very reminiscent of like javier pulido Mm -hmm. yes yes he's as much as I like Javier Polito, and I do like Javier Polito, he gets he gets a lot of flack for reasons that I think are I think it's overdone. I I think Marcos Martín does the same thing, but a little bit more mainstream. So I think it's more palatable for a lot of people. And yeah, Vaughn, it's, it's funny because it's like I hear really good things about Brian K. Vaughn, and the only story of his that I've really read, I think, is Pride of Baghdad, which I'm sorry, although I hated it. <laughs> That's Fair. I I don't know why I like it. I bought it. I, I you're not it. alone in liking it. I I think I'm the weird one here. I don't know. I I think there's a lot of things in it that it, it's perfect. I don't recommend it to a lot of people because it's a perfectly valid book to not like. Mm-hmm. There there is a lot of feels like just for the sake of shock value. There's like sexual assault. It's very right. and you're talking lions. You're talking lions. Yeah yeah. You're talking to animals. There's there's a lot of there's that there's a lot of really explicit violence in it mm-hmm. it doesn't it has like this weird kind of like ending that's like it's it's a beautiful ending but only because everybody's dead type of thing like i don't yeah. know it's it's a very i understand why people don't like it i also mm-hmm. understand why people like it it's because i do so no no yeah. i i totally get where you come from with like because it, it is an understandably hateable book <laughs> Yeah, but it's interesting because, like, I I feel like my politics have shifted quite a bit since I read Pride of Baghdad the first time. And it's possible that in, like, where I am now, I would get something different from the story. Yeah, but I feel like lion sexual assault probably doesn't change with your politics very much. I mean, fair. (laughs) That's that's probably true. But anyway, to bring the story back to this book, (laughs) I think... I think Vaughn is a writer who likes to try to say stuff. Even though I haven't read Saga, and even though I haven't read Why the Last Man, I know that these are books with something to say. Mm -hmm. And I think The Oath has something to say, too. I'm not entirely sure that I agree with it, though, which is the interesting part. I I think as somebody whose worldview has changed in regards to, like, terminal diseases... I I feel a little bit more bitter 
about stories that have like a cure for cancer or the cure for like all diseases and like it just doesn't happen and i feel like i you know maybe five years ago i maybe could have written a story up with that as a as a as a plot device right but yeah. I, I feel like nowadays my consumption of those stories uh is probably a little bit more a little bit more critical of it and like to- totally personal thing right but like i think that soured a little bit of this book to me totally i think that's a completely reasonable like stance to take yeah and, and i think but but kind of to bring it back to what you're saying though i feel like that's part of the point though i feel like that's kind of something of like what vaughn is trying to say right because because it's obviously obviously that is a big point of it is the point that they have this cure and they really could get it to everybody but like whether it's greed or whether it's strange oath to like his personal friend and that connection that cure doesn't get out to the world yeah this is where my head went i'm not sure if this is a valid read on this story but it's where my head went i couldn't help it so the elixir is of course the elixir of Otkid, which is an anagram of ditko Ditko being a creator of Doctor Strange. Mm -hmm. So it seems like it could be a neat little homage. Or, and this is, again, I don't know if this is fair, but this is where my head went. Or it could be an indication of, like, who Doctor Strange is as a character, what sort of hero he is. He's a Randian hero, as in Ayn Rand, as in objectivism. Because a lot of this is the whole... And this is an aspect of superheroes that makes me uncomfortable. A lot of, of superheroes are very... They're very much in line with this great man theory. You've got one big, prominent individual who shapes history. And that is kind of what's going on here with Doctor Strange. Kind of unavoidably, because he's the headliner of this book. And then you've got the uh, antagonist being this pharmaceutical company, which I feel like this is a conversation that winds up getting really fraught nowadays because a lot of negative press has been put out there regarding pharmaceutical companies, especially in light of the COVID pandemic. I think you mean Big Pharma? Uh, I, that's correct. I do mean Big Pharma, the BP. No, BP spills oil in the in the Gulf of Mexico, Stephen. <laughs> it's a, it's Big a Pharma spills fish oil? But yeah, like, it's, it's a frustrating conversation because it's like, yes, there is valid criticism to be made of these groups. But also, you might be taking it too far with regards to their motivations in the middle of a pandemic, blah, 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 blah. I don't know. There's a lot to be said there. But there's also, like, if you look at it in the Randian framework, it's like, here you've got a great man who is trying to do what he believes is the right thing, and that's the way that history will progress. But then you've got this corporation with all of its rules and its insidious motives that are trying to hold the great man back. And, like, I went down this objectivist rabbit hole, and it hurt my head. (laughs) And so by the time you get to the ending, when Strange's decision to give the elixir to Wong is rooted in the Hippocratic Oath is like you can't deny treatment to the patient that you have in front of you that's part of at least the way this book frames the Hippocratic Oath like that was something for it was hard for me not to like at the very least sympathize with that because I work in healthcare I have a lot of friends who are doctors and I can kind of relate relates probably too strong of a word but I definitely sympathize with that attitude where it's like I can't save the world I I don't have the capability to save the world emotionally physically I can't do that I have to focus on the patient in front of me and that I think is relatable but I I also sympathize with all those points where this is a fantasy story where you have the means to save literally everyone and that's hard too so I don't know 
Does the fact that this book prompts these sort of conversations make me like it more? I'm genuinely not sure. But at least the art was pretty. I am also <laughs> kind of perplexed on that, right? Because I really... It's okay. So reading the book, I really enjoyed it. Processing the book, like sitting down after the fact and thinking about how I felt about the book, thinking about it. I was just like, I, I don't know anymore because it raises a lot of questions. I, I question how I personally feel about the book after the fact. Would I recommend it to somebody? I, I absolutely would. I think it's a very good Doctor Strange story. And I think... It's really interesting to, to to see him kind of battle with that moral quandary. Personally, I think I'm just a little jaded. Yeah. But I don't I don't know that uh that it ruins the book. Like my personal experience. Because I think there are some books that have now been kind of ruined for me based on like personal experiences and like changing politics and growing opinions, you know, blah 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 blah, right? Right. Also the realization that Kevin Smith is maybe kind of a hack writer. But um <laughs> I mean, here's the thing, though. If you want to know why I'm so hard on Civil War, like, I know we had a whole episode about it, but really, like, this conversation's kind of making me realize changing politics is a big part of it. Yeah. So, so yeah. So, I, I don't know. I really enjoyed the book in the moment. I still, I, I would not hesitate to recommend it to somebody. But, yeah, I, I don't know how I feel about it, and I don't know how I feel about the conversation and the questions it kind of brings up, which, you know... But like comic books as art, like they're a really good medium for that. And I think the fact that this book, that the book about the magic man who ghosts himself, like, and is in love with like a nurse and uh, like, that's, I don't know. Like, I, I, I don't know, Steven, you're making me, you're making me ask stuff. You're making me think. See, here's where, here's where the problem of uh, adaptations comes in. On the page, he's Doctor Strange fine. I, I could separate the character in the book from Benedict Cumberbatch. Could not separate Wong from Benedict Wong, who's the actor who plays him, who is great in everything I've seen him in, from IT Crowd to The Martian to... You know what? I've only seen him in a couple of things, but he is consistently great in all of them. Um, in, uh, you know, the Doctor Strange film. What? Um, and uh, Rosario Dawson, who is uh, Night Nurse on the um, Netflix series, like she's. I you forgot know. that her character was Night Nurse. Yeah. you're right. So in my head, I'm like, ha ha, because she's amazing. But also, one of the Night Nurses has actually been Kristen Palmer, who is played by Rachel McAdams in the Doctor Strange movie, and they took that scene straight from this book. Yeah, that is true. So like, I I kept seeing Benedict Cumberbatch, uh, Benedict Wong. Is that two Benedicts, really? Um, yeah, yeah. Two Benedicts. Oh, yeah. One movie. There's a lot of Chris's, too. Did you know there's a lot of Chris's? Yeah, Chris Almighty. <laughs> but, but yeah, that was uh, that was one of those things where it's like, oh, like the moment, I mean, the book pretty much starts out on that. And I was just like, hey, yeah, it's the movie. The move. This is where the movie got the scene from. Because we've yeah. read enough Doctor Strange books where I was starting to wonder, when, when am I going to see something from the movie? Uh, that the that that it clearly took from the books and uh, finally got that moment. Yep, there you go, man. Wong is such a weird character to read. Yeah, it's a uh, it's a uh, not great, honestly. He's a product, and they've of a tried to make it work. Like at least at least you know in Batman, the fact that he has a butler, it's like well technically that's an employee, and there's they make take great pains to show you know the kind of emotional relationship that alfred and bruce have and also he's a surrogate father yeah yeah, and also also british like manservant is not the same sort of like potentially harmful stereotype that subservient asian man with mysterious eastern magic is Mm -hmm. right 
Like, Wong is so hard to make work. The movies have handled it well by completely, uh, like, eliminating that aspect of his character. By right? kind of making him, like, a teacher, making him, a, you know, a stronger... A peer. He's a colleague. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And in the books, he's not. Every time he said master, I was just, like, I cringed just a little bit. Like, that doesn't affect the emotional core of the story, because the characters obviously care about each other. It's just, you know, that... Wong is a character whose comic book iteration has not aged well. That's that's really all I can say about it. Yeah, I don't like I don't like Green Hornet either, Steven. So this book also has like some problems, right? Because it's very like clearly trying to establish Night Nurse as a very capable person in the in the Marvel world, right? Like she's not just the doctor that like the masks go see. She's capable. She can hold her own. She can under she can learn and understand like all those magic shenanigans. Wong and and Strange's relationship is very is one here is kind of one out of respect, right? Like they respect each other. They're friends. That type mm-hmm. of thing. But at the same time, like Brian K. Vaughn kind of can't like restrain himself from making kind of not great jokes about uh, insinuating that like Wong is maybe like a like some sort of a sex thing for Strange. And then Strange also referencing that Night Nurse's name is very like pornographic. Uh, like these, I mean, they don't take away from the book as a whole. But like when you think about that, you're like, that's a little that's a little weird, isn't it? I mean, this is a mid 2000s book. Yeah, right. That, that's kind of par for the course for the time period. Yeah. Weirdly. And again, not that's, I'm not saying that to excuse it, but that does date it a little bit. Mm-hmm. And some things just don't age well. It's crazy because it doesn't seem like it was that long ago, but it was. You know what's funny? I, I thought this book was older. I, I legitimately thought it was like a 90s or 80s book. Oh, wow. Huh. I thought it was a 2010s book. Because even though it is a little bit dated, I actually feel like it reads pretty well. Mm-hmm. Like, it could have come out in the early 2010s. I, I'm thinking, like, 2011, 2012. Mm-hmm. But, yeah, finding out it's from 2006 is like, oh, yeah, okay, that, that makes sense, too. And you can kind of see why it stuck around, because for a 2006 comic, I think this is excellent. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Speaking of, going back to thinking about this book too much, <laughs> the name of the company is Timely Pharmaceuticals. Uh-huh. Timely is the name of the comic book company that turned into Marvel. Yeah. And so it's like, what does that mean? Right, like, like <laughs> it's one of those things where it's like, is this just a cute little reference, or is this, or is Brian K. Vaughn? Does he have some sort of vendetta against his employer? Is is Vaughn pointing out how Marvel screwed over Ditko? Like, Ooh. oh, like yeah. again, mm-hmm. there's there's a lot to be mined from this, and unfortunately, like despite all the dated stuff, I think that does like. At least for me, we'll see how this shakes out with the ranking. But to me, I think that means I'm going to rank it a little bit higher than I might have other. Maybe. I don't know. This It's it's know. Brian K. Vaughn, so I was going to rank higher anyway. So that, that fits. That goes, <laughs> that goes in. What is that phrase? Still waters run deep? Yeah. 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 That's kind of how I feel about this book. I think it's a very easy, enjoyable book. I think you can read it and just be like, ah, cool. Magic man. Hitler gun. Uh, magic octopus fire thing. <laughs> but also, But also, you can also just kind of sit on it and get the dwell and get some really interesting you know think pieces out of it and you know whether it's about moral history or whether it's about the morality of the hippocratic oath and what that means really like i think it's really interesting yeah thank you for making me read this actually what (laughs) (laughs) what popped in my head is he's like just trying to decide do i save my friend or everyone and my friend dies isn't there a quote is it the quran where it's like if you save a life you've saved the entire human race if you take a life then you've killed the entire human race yeah but i don't think the quran was referencing the panacea no i don't think it was either and i'm wondering if like that's like a mis a misquoting and it's like you know used too often in uh 
other forms of media or whatever but that was like shoot you you you're like there's the dilemma and you're you're like you could have you literally could have saved everybody but at the it's the trolley problem yes wong is on the tracks and I think one of the things that frustrates me about a lot of speculative media, but superhero stories, especially the movies, are very, very guilty of this. When faced with a moral dilemma, what it gets framed as the right decision is the one that maintains the status quo, whether the status quo is actually just or not. Mm-hmm. And that frustrates me a ton. It's one of the reasons that like a lot of the stuff that's been happening in X-Men recently is so interesting to me because they are willing to finally say, let's do something that genuinely shakes up the status quo and see how the morality of it plays out. And here it's like, I, I again, I still think it's interesting the decision he makes at the end because of its grounding in the Hippocratic Oath, but it is still the decision that maintains the status quo of the Marvel universe, where this is still a universe where people can get sick and die. And that's... It feels a little bit like a missed opportunity, even though I think it's the choice that they had to make. I do think that there is something interesting kind of what you were, talk, you were talking about the x-men right like them kind of doing all this weird stuff like they have like that yeah that weird council now and like mutants don't really die because they can be rebirthed and like also they have fashion shows apparently they have, yeah they have the whole uh something saga or the hell gala the hellfire, the hellfire gala. gala thank you yeah and i think i think i'm actually really happy that they couldn't be acquired by or they couldn't be reacquired by Marvel from Fox for like a long time because I think when Mar- when Disney really couldn't make a profit off X Men, kind of like the Fantastic Four, I think they just kind of you know do whatever with it. And the Fantastic Four obviously was a little bit more jaded, and they went ahead and canceled that series for the first time in like <laughs> eighty years. Yeah. But with the X-Men, it really felt like they were like, you know what, whatever, we have the Avengers, we have like all these groups running around that we totally have the rights for. If you want to do something weird with the X-Men, go for it. And I think that's kind of, I feel like that's part of the reason why we got some really good stuff. Granted, I think we were also getting some really good stuff prior to that when like Cyclops became a revolutionary and like that was, at least for me, that was like one of my favorite time of the X-Men, but that's when I was actually following that. Same. Right. Mean, mean, um, jerk Cyclops is good Cyclops. Yeah. But yeah, yeah, I I don't know. I think, I think you're right. I think it is a little, it is a little predictable, like obviously, right? Because, you know, when it gets down to that decision, it's kind of like, well, let me think about this. Is that, is the whole Marvel world free of diseases? Nope, I guess not. Yeah. I do, I do think it is a little interesting because there are definitely different ways to tackle things like super geniuses and the panacea and stuff like that in comics because like obviously obviously they're not real like that stuff can't really affect the real world but like obviously here we have this whole idea that he has you know what what the little bit that's left is used to like cure his friend but i was also thinking about the dinosaur scientist from like a spider-man comic where spider-man is like yelling at him about like you could you could cure cancer you could cure diseases he's like i don't want to cure cancer i want to make people into dinosaurs (laughs) (laughs) you know same concept different approach i don't want to cure cancer i want my buddy back bingo i get it it. you know maybe maybe not one-to-one but pretty close (laughs) (laughs) end result is the same anything else we want to say about this book it's a good one it is pretty good I, I they say Watum, and I gotta say it out loud every time I read it. They say what? Watum. The wands of Watum, yeah. Or I don't think it's it's something. Else. No, yeah. Anyway, yeah. Yeah, he mentioned a... he mentioned. Oh, oh my gosh! I totally didn't even talk about the part where he fights the giant cat god that he summons <laughs> from the little Chinese cat statue with like the moving paw. Oh gosh, that was so dumb, but I love it. <laughs> 
Yeah. But I didn't mention what was probably my favorite panel in the whole book, which is when he's in the... I already forgot his name the again. Brigand. The burglar. Yeah. Brigand. Um, when he's in the brigand's head and the brigand like is summoning imaginations of all of Doctor Strange's enemies. I flip the page and Nightmare shows up. That's, I think, issue uh, three, page 11. Holy crap, that's a good panel. Oh, oh yeah. Nightmare yeah. actually looks creepy as heck. I mm-hmm. love it. It's really good. Yeah, I really, I really enjoyed this book. Yep. Um, are we ready to move on then? I don't know. I want to dwell on this. I was for thirty seconds of silence. <laughs> <laughs> oh, beautiful. <laughs> for spacious skies. <laughs> for Bucky, Cap, and Sam. So we read. We read the United States of Captain America. Christopher Cantwell and Dale Eaglesham were the main writer artist on this. With uh, backup issue, no. What are the what are the like the second half of the issues referred to as like extra stories? Backstories? No. Just call them extra stories. So there were extra stories at the end with a variety of artists filling out the story of the other captains that um, Sam and uh, Steve find. I'm going to have to use their first names, no disrespect to rank or anything, or who Cap really is, but there are lots of Captains America, as Sam points out. It's like Surgeon's General. It's Captains America. Um, we start off in Brooklyn, and Steve Rogers' cap is getting his shield ready for a museum ex- exhibit, um, kind of just contemplating, you know, fighting and, and having to, you know, wield the shield. And it gets stolen. Somebody just busts in and steals this, uh, steals the shield. He calls in backup, calls in Captain Falcon. That's right, I said it. Um, there's a confrontation on some train <laughs> tracks. Um, gets the train to stop in time, helps the people. Uh, Aaron Fisher jumps in to help, who is dressed up like Captain America, and they think, what, is this the guy that... No, this isn't the one that stole the shield. What the heck? Who's this guy? Um, He's a kid riding the rails and righting wrongs, and uh, he gets shot at by a mysterious assassin. So there's a fake cap... Uh, who stole a shield, and there's a mysterious uh, assassin with a ponytail out and about. Um, we get to learn a little bit more about Aaron Fisher and how he's, uh, help, how he's out there helping people. Um, and we move on to the next issue, which starts in Gettysburg. We get a funny story about Captain America learning you can't uh, relieve yourself on a battlefield. It's disrespectful. And uh, in, in Harrisburg, they meet up with uh, Nichelle Wright, the Cap... Does she have a name? Aaron Fisher is Captain America of the Railways. Nichelle Wright, she is Captain America of Harrisburg. Is there a cooler name for her? Hold on, I'm going. Nope, she is just the Captain America of Harrisburg. Activist, because she's a, an activist? That doesn't work. I tried. She's locked up for domestic terrorism, and they say, but 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 she was trying to help the people because their water's polluted. And uh, turns out the cops, oh, surprise, she fit a profile. She's a black woman, and they locked her up. And they the people in charge, the important people, aren't going to have to pay for a pipeline of clean water or whatever nefarious scheme that keeps people from giving people clean water, whatever's going on. Um, Steve and uh, Sam are not having it. Sam throws this uh, racist sheriff through a window. They bust Nichelle out. The other cops are like, yeah, you're right. Nichelle, before anybody else notices, the assassin's back. Um, and she's uh, rolled up in a car right to the door of the, of the uh, jail cell and is just like unloading, you know, a big gun from the back of a car. She doesn't want to make Steve a martyr, so she lets him live. She has a German accent, so, ooh, I wonder, hmm, a villain in a cap story. Who could it be? <laughs> I did not see that coming. <laughs> 
Um, Aaron still has, like, work to do. He hasn't joined them. Nichelle's like, I, I gotta fight on the ground, not in the clouds. Um, she stays with her community and goes and keeps uh, protecting people. Fake Cap, we find out, is Speed Demon, James Sanders, created by Roy Thomas and Sal Bashima back in uh, Avengers 69 as the wizard, and then comes out, he's Speed Demon in August of 81, and Amazing Spider-Man. I, mean, I think he's typically a Spider-Man villain. Uh, the assassin is Sin Schmidt, uh, who refers to herself as Superior, so that's her name. Dun, dun, dun. Daughter of the Red Skull. Yep, Daughter of the Red Skull. Um, we go to northern New Mexico, and then quickly back to Kansas. Um, Caps, they figure out, Caps, Steve, uh, and Sam figure out, oh yeah, it's Speed Demon. It's not... Definitely not Bucky. It's not uh, well. Obviously, it's not Bucky. He's not a speedster. But they're like, no, Quicksilver wouldn't wear this. Wouldn't wear the uniform. So, gotta be Speed Demon. They meet uh, Joe, the cap of the Kickapoo tribe. He's uh, fixing things for free in his community, and he's a big Cap fanboy. He's got all the newspaper clippings in a big uh, Mister Incredible type room, and he's like, you inspire people, and uh, you know, I'm I'm gonna do good where I can. And so he has his Cap outfit is. Um, Modify. We're going to go into these because I have things to say about everyone's cap. The costumes are, are, yeah, yeah. definitely talk about Um, this. His is uh, Native American themed. I did not look up the accuracy of if it fits with Kickapoo dress. Well, you'll you'll be relieved to know that they actually had Kickapoo consultants. Thank goodness. (laughs) I did wonder. Uh, Obviously, you guys did not read past the backstory, but... (laughs) On the Captain's <laughs> Network uh, page, it actually credits uh, both Keith Bluecloud and Mosiah Bluecloud as Kickapoo consultants on this book. Awesome. Okay, then. Awesome. Finds They find out. Um, Sins shows up, fights all of them. Joe's injured. Bucky arrives in time. They find out that there is um, an attack plan because a, a member of the Cheyenne Nation, Prescott is his name, is, gonna run, is running for governor. Bucky arrives in time to save the candidate, but he backs out of the race. He doesn't want, uh, you know, the heat from he doesn't want more attacks on him or his family and it's a real bummer because it's like ah yeah you can't blame him but like oh like why are we in this place where these attacks happen and uh this this comic starts hitting home more and more um (laughs) the ron Lim is the artist in issue four where they start in norad colorado uh they meet up with aaron again and a new cap from boston ariel um agbayani agbayani um she's the campus captain america um Superior and Speed Demon arrive. They're being led by Commander Krieger, or Warrior Woman from the uh, Invaders series. Um, They attack this base because... um Oh, what's it called? Something hate the, uh, it's uh, hate monger. Hate monger. The uh, Hitler essential oil is being kept there, (laughs) and uh, they want to get him out. (laughs) They want to get him out, and they want to pour him into Tucker Carlson's bloodstream or something um or or, or this this dude uh norad has his hate monitor yes krieger and hitler uh krieger escapes with the hitler juice they pick up a u.s agent who sucks <laughs> they they are hiding out in the avengers academy in colorado springs bucky and ariel are looking for clues about hate monger containment with uh, one of the uh, air force uh officers this other captain um u.s agent is able to get some information out of sin they're going to use Cap's shield to hypnotize and divide America. Uh, Sin is going to take one half, and Krieger's going to take the other half. It's going to be east and west instead of north and south. We've come so far. Um, he gets a location out of her that turns out to be a trap. What? 
and uh, all the caps are blown up and taken hostage. The broadcast that they are planning on showing, uh, hypnotizing the whole country, it's minutes away, they fight, all the other caps come in, they almost hypnotize Cap himself, and he's seeing horrible things. All the caps turn up, beat the bad guys, just as the cameras turn on, Cap hands it over to Aaron to give the We Got Your Back America speech, and uh, that's where we end it. I don't know if uh, Cap being hypnotized comes up later because he snaps out of it, but like maybe maybe he's still under. Um, I don't know. This is uh this was this came out. I should know this. When did this? This was like last year, year before twenty twenty one. There you go, last year. Uh, very current. A lot of it hit places, and it was like, oh, this is oh, this is happening right now. Huh. Um, I have more stuff to say, but what did you guys think about it? I teared up a couple times actually, and not even because of the story itself. Actually, because of the backstories, I thought the backstories mm-hmm. were actually really well done. The one, yeah, the, the one that particular, the one that actually did get uh, like a, like at least one tear out of me is the one with Michelle Wright. Yeah, because we get her backstory, which I don't know if it takes place before or after the whole event in the comic. I think it takes after, and so she's. I think so. Yeah. Yeah, she's gonna lay low, and so but she can't like not stop a you know a robbery a convenience store robbery so she goes does that one of the guys is apparently like a cop's son and you know blah 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 and as she's kind of getting away you know she gets some help from like her sister i think and like a couple other people and like they have messages for her from like the people in her community that she has helped there's like a black trans woman there's like an uh an Asian lady. There's just like a bunch of different people from the community of different, you know, races and creeds. And they're all telling her about like how she's helped them and how they're willing to help her. Like one of them, I think is just kind of looks like just kind of a white dude, but like they're, I don't want to say low income. They're more rural. And so her interactions with like outside companies has helped his family keep control of their farm. So he's like, you know, you've helped us with that. So, you know, you always have a place to stay in like one of our farms, blah, blah, blah. And it was, like, just a very, like, beautiful, like, kind of moment of, like, how she helps her community in, like, kind of a real meaningful way. And, like, as I was reading that, I was like, I'm going to cry over, like, somebody dressed in red, white, and blue with a star. (laughs) Mm -hmm. (laughs) It was a very, very beautiful moment. I liked it. It it made me, like, realize, because they're doing great things, and it was also at the same time, it's like, but there's still so much bad stuff out there. There's so much bad stuff out there. But, like, all of them seeing the importance of standing up in their own community was really good. It was really, really good. Um, um, Steven, what did you think? Uh, mixed feelings overall. The stuff that really resonated with me, though, the stuff that I really liked, were all the new Captains America. They weren't all, like, great, but, like... <sighs> I hate to say it, but the the Kickapoo Captain America kind of gave me pause. But it sounds like I should have read the back matter because that would have addressed my concern, right? Because my concern was they just made up this character without consulting anyone. But it's 2021 and that's been a big topic of conversation. I should have realized that they probably would have done it or at least looked into it a little bit more. Um, but like the, 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 the idea of like a network of people associated with the Captain America name is not new to comics. I feel like it might have been Mark Grunewald's run, which I've read quite a bit of, um, where there's like a hotline that is manned by like basically the Boy Scouts that are all like working with Captain America to try to help keep neighborhoods safe. And so this isn't a new concept. Um, And it also strikes me as being vaguely reminiscent of something like Batman Inc. Oh yeah. From the second, second time DC gets... Batman mentioned today. But the thing is, Batman Inc. was a cool idea. And so I 
as as much as I don't think the story quite hit me the way that it did Aldo, I want these characters, I want all of these characters to stick around. I think the designs are great. Even the ones that I didn't like, I can see why they did it. And so I think it works. I like this team of people who are like taking on the mantle of Captain America, making it into a real symbol rather than, you know, one man. Because so much of the Captain America lore is about how Steve Rogers is so good at the job, right? Mm -hmm. And nobody else can do it. That's the origin story of US Agent, mm -hmm. is that he tries to be Captain America and can't do it. And so making it into this more organic symbol, this almost like grassroots symbol, I think is a good move. And I want these characters, I really do want these characters to stick around with or without superpowers. I, I, I think that's great. I think what's really interesting here is that this book is really focused on the idea of a, of Captain America being a symbol and being a like a, one of those all enveloping symbols that's meant for everybody because Captain America's ideals aren't meant for just one type of person they're meant for everybody in the United States and I really like that the book was heavy-handed because I yeah. feel like I feel like if you're going to be cheesy and you're going to be heavy-handed about that type of stuff Captain America is kind of like the right person to do that with because the dude just is a flag so you know <laughs> what, what are you losing <laughs> there's no subtlety really yeah. but I I think I think it is really interesting though because it especially especially over the last several years right where the politics of American symbolism and like the, what the meaning of America means and having certain comic book characters being co-opted by certain groups it this really feels like a preemptive thing like a like a really thing that's like we do not want there to be any confusion that captain america stands for everybody in the united states and not only is it like not only do we want to say that we're going to show it by making a captain america of every single like minority group uh, that we can fit in five issues and still yeah. have a comprehensible story and and I really there's something I think to be kind of respected of taking that stance because like how many times is it like a struggle just to say just to get people to say they denounce certain hate groups, right? Uh so so for a company to really kind of just be like, you know what, no, this is this is what it is. And this also really lives up to like Stan Lee's history with the character. There's been mm -hmm. like certain Stan's soapbox that have been reprinted that have been about Captain America and people talking about like how Captain America is for you know, white people only, blah, blah, blah. And Stan being like, nope, nope, you've got that wrong. That type of thing, right? I, I, what I see happening is interesting where, you know, some of these characters, you know, some of them are better than others. I'm glad that there's, you know, anytime there's more inclusion so that there's someone. And like reading, reading some of the, um, uh, captain's communications there are people who are so they're like oh i'm i'm having similar problems that aaron was having and i'm so glad that there's you know there's you know this is a, a captain america that you're showing um i i'd be interested to see down the line you know what new writer picks up you know one of these characters that's just you know has a, an issue and a half of material and really fleshes them out and makes them like the new captain america captain like the the cap you know yeah or they started off as a Captain America and then maybe they become like their own thing later on somehow. Um, I don't want to get too far away from um, making fun of um, Nichelle's missing pant leg. Okay. I'm glad you mentioned that. Because <laughs> I was like, I love this character. This great. Wait, hold up. Hold up. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. <laughs> I was like, the purple hair is really cool. The jacket's cool, and the mask. Wait a minute! Wait a minute! Wait a minute! She has one pant leg. You guys are not down with modern street culture. Clearly, I gotta talk about this. 
I got to talk about this. Um, Nichelle might have been my least favorite of the new caps, uh-huh. but she has my favorite costume of the new caps. And I agonized over that missing leg. But then you, you know, read the story and you recognize Nichelle's background is that she was a gymnast. Yeah. It's a gymnast leotard. Mm-hmm. Gymnast leotards are often stylized to be missing a leg. Like I was actually talking about this with Brittany. These, both of these books got me thinking so much that I actually had to talk to my wife about them. <laughs> um, and so I was talking about this with my wife and she mentioned, you know, gymnasts are frequently like advocating for more modest clothing, not because of any like puritanical sort of sentiment, but moving in an outfit that's missing a leg like that is difficult because you have to make sure that you're moving just right so that you don't accidentally flash everyone. And so it's interesting to like balance that where it's like, this is an impractical gymnast outfit, but it is a gymnast's outfit. Like this is an outfit that a, you know, competitive gymnast would wear. And then you add to that, my favorite part of her whole ensemble was the hood with the wings that actually like the wings were there. I loved that freaking thing. That was great. I just could not wrap my head around. I was like, like, like the dumbest thoughts occur to me, guys. Like, there are so many levels that you can read these books on, and you're like, social justice, man, all right. Like, Cap's getting it done. You know, like, the, he's inspiring everyone to, like, stand up and, and stand up against things that aren't right. And the, isn't she cold? Isn't she cold with one leg out? Like, that's what happened. That's how dumb I am. I'm like, they got, they got seasonal temperatures in, in uh, Pennsylvania, right? Like, isn't she cold with one leg? Like I'm, I like it's. I miss the finer points because I'm distracted. Like that doesn't look comfortable at all. I mean, both things can be true. It is a gymnast outfit, and it's probably cold. But adrenaline does stuff for your like body temperature. I'm guessing, and you know, nothing gets the adrenaline pumping like getting shot at. That'll be okay. I also wanted to talk about other potential Captain Americas that are out. Captain's America. Ooh, see, almost got me, but I caught myself. <laughs> other Captain's America that are out there. Now, I tried to come up with a few by Googling as American as and leaving it blank. Either of you want to take a shot at what I found from Google? Well, I'm guessing there's apple pie in there somewhere. Yes, actually. Now, the the phrase we all know is American is apple pie. Therefore, somewhere out there, Marie Callender is one of the Captain's America. Uh, she's the Captain America of of apple pie. Um, the first thing that I saw on Google was Amer- as American as donuts. And I've never heard that before. I thought donuts. True, I guess. I guess. I I thought that there were you know everybody's got pastries. Um. So Michael Vale, the actor who played uh, Time to Make the Donuts, Dunkin' Donuts commercials from the eighties, he's the uh, Captain American donut. And then I was like, well, you know, like Bob Ross is he could be a Captain America of like public television, and Babe Ruth could be like Captain America of baseball. Michael Phelps could be the Captain America of swimming, and Lin Manuel Miranda could be Captain America of getting egots, and uh, you know. <laughs> Amanda Gorman could be uh, Captain America of poetry, a- and just Tom Hanks. I just have Tom Hanks written down here. I don't know if you guys. Have any, <laughs> I don't know if you guys have any better ideas, but Tom Hanks made the list. I was about to share like a story about how uh, researching uh, Joe Gomez and the Kickapoo Reservation tribe led me down a really interesting path of realization and unification that like a lot of Native American tribes are technically Mexican and thus kind of my brethren, which kind of explains why Ooh. an American in Kansas. A Native American or an indigenous man in uh, Kansas has the last name Gomez. But please, go on. Tell me about apple pie. (laughs) Apple pie's good, (laughs) y'all. See, this is what I'm talking about. I'm like, hey, we could have funny Captain Americas. And you're like, yeah, cultural roots, man. And yeah, we can all, (laughs) we're all American. 
piece of crap making me feel like an <laughs> idiot. Absolute. So absolute jerk. In the senses I have to file myself as indigenous. Yeah. Yeah. Really? Yeah. You have to. Huh. Yeah. Why not? Um, why not? Uh, isn't there a oh oh <laughs> thin thin white dude ice? Hold up. <laughs> I, I filled out the census for the first time. Like I filled out the census for the uh-huh. first time uh, a couple years ago, and yeah, that uh, I don't remember, but I think my whatever I am specifically uh, is not in the census, but it is like uh, indigenous or something like. Uh, or it's it's kind of clumped in together a little bit like that, but uh, yeah. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Well, there you go. So I think I, I I hesitate to say the the next thing that I want to say about this book because it kind of. Like, I don't want to to tell Aldo that he's wrong for feeling the way that he did about this book. Because I think a lot of the, the representation that uh, this book brings in is really important. I kind of felt like this book was was weirdly both sidesing uh, a lot of the struggles that America has been going through over the last couple of years. Like, the villain here is hate which i get it that's a that's a decent message in general like it's it's bad to hate people but also there are like significant issues that are brought up throughout the text where there's very clearly like a bad side to it like you've got this thinly veiled tucker carlson xp right tucker carlson isn't spewing just like generic hate it's ideological hate it's very clearly appealing to one side of the political spectrum the uh story that gripped me the most of all of the different captains america that they talked about was weirdly i didn't expect this the military man who talks about kids in the military going out on dangerous missions and then using the money they got from those missions to buy a truck and then you know now they're in debt again and so they need to go out on more dangerous missions like this is a system of exploitation there's very clearly bad stuff that's happening the villain there is not hate oh yeah and then you also have stuff like kind of the allegory to the dakota pipeline happening with uh like the first of the second the second story yeah. right yeah like there's there's very clearly bad stuff that is happening where there is like love is not the answer in those circumstances are you telling the beatles are wrong the Beatles were frequently wrong about things. You are correct. <laughs> <laughs> and, like, I don't think that's necessarily, you know, to the story's detriment, per se. I think the story does a lot of really interesting stuff. If there's a problem, I think the problem is that the story is trying to do too much. And it was actually reading the the story of, you know, the military man that kind of got me to realize it. That you've got all of these really fascinating characters with all of these really complicated topics mm-hmm. each of which could have easily taken up a, a five or six issue story arc on their own and you can't spend any time on it because you gotta move on to the next one you gotta move on to the next one the acknowledgement of these deeper more complex issues almost feels like lip service precisely because you can't you don't have the time or space to really dissect them that's exactly where i was going with it and that's part of the reason i think that when i got to the you know the kickapoo captain america that i was skeptical of it because so much of what we encountered along the way felt like lip service Mm -hmm. um especially since like i hate to say it but you know the runaway gay kid whose dad doesn't approve of his lifestyle and the mouthy activist whose neighbors don't always like her because she's too pushy with her ideals those are cliches they're not just stereotypes they're almost cliches at this Mm -hmm. point 
And that sucks to say, because again, like, kids getting kicked out of their homes because their parents don't approve of their lifestyles, that's still a huge problem. But where you're only spending so little time on it, it, it doesn't feel like... This feels almost like the West Wing of comics, where it's like some, like, liberal fantasy where everybody can hold hands and it's gonna be okay. Mm-hmm. And I again, I kind of hate to bring that up because it sounds like that was just my response. All those response to it, I thought was like, it moved me. I wasn't moved by the story, but I was moved by Aldo's reaction to the story, if that makes sense. And I'm glad that he had that response. So I don't want to take away from that. No, but I, th- I think what you're bringing up is a very valid criticism because that's also the problem I had. And I was surprised at some of the stuff that it brings up. Um, but like kind of kind of bringing it back to the first kid, right? Kind of the gay runaway kid. That story kind of feels like it. I mean, obviously there's no real resolution for it, but it kind of feels like it's like, you know, he's homeless. He's on the tracks. He's, you know, communicating with all these other, you know, with all these other runaways, blah, blah, blah. But it's okay because he has a Captain America costume. It's fine. He's fine. There's no problem to solve. He's okay. Like, that's kind of how it felt, especially in that first story. Yeah, yeah. At least for me, and maybe, I don't know, for some weird, inexplicable reason that I definitely didn't talk about uh, a little while ago, I found the third issue to be, at least for me, the most intriguing, because there's a couple things it does that I really like. I like, I kind of like that at the end of the story, they don't necessarily win. It really sucks, right? Because there is that, that attack on... The person who's running, was it for governor or, or mayor yeah. or something? He gets attacked, and at the end of the story, he drops out. Because, you know, it's too dangerous to be a person of color running for governor in that area. And, you know, Captain America's frustrated. He's like, no, he needs to run. And it's like, yeah, but his family is, like, his first priority, as it should be. And I, you can't blame him for, like, you know, wanting to to bow out for that reason. And I think that was kind of a really interesting take. I also really like that uh, Joe kind of tells Captain America about like, you know, you saved me once. It's okay if you don't remember. And he talks about how he doesn't have to be his hero. He doesn't have to be like, he doesn't have to look like him. He doesn't have to like speak like him. He doesn't have to do any of that. Right. But just meaning and standing by what he says is enough to inspire him to be a hero. And I think that's, that's also a really interesting conversation. That's also something you could, just that concept, that's something you could spend a whole five-issue series on. I think there's, like you like you said, there's a lot of stories in here that could very well run like in their own miniseries. And it is a bit of a shame that we can't really sit on these, but at the same time, it's a celebratory book. And it feels like it doesn't want to dwell on the negative. It wants to bring it up and show how Captain America can inspire the good through the bad or or in spite of the bad, but it can't really dwell on the bad. It has to move on and keep saying Captain America is cool. Look at him punch uh, Nazi people. Isn't that neat? Problem is there are still Nazis for him to punch. That's the problem. Yeah. Well, like it's like Michelle said, like you can't pass up the opportunity to punch a Nazi. There you go. <laughs> so Stephen, uh, first of all. Uh, this was not like the West Wing. There was no walking and talking. They rode in cars. <laughs> Motorcycles. Motorcycles. No hot-dogging, though. Or hot-rodding. Yeah, hot well, well, except except for U.S. Agent, who had to ride hot buckies because he was drunk. U.S. US Agent sucks. tortures someone. Oh, yeah, yeah, that too. Yeah. That's horrid. Like, if you want to talk about, you know, some of the... Uh, the the like deep dark secrets that america has how about torture prisons mm-hmm. well it was all it was all geneva compl- compliant he said so Ugh. he said so no it wasn't 
Happened off camera. Her pinky got broken, but that was an accident. It was an accident, Steve. I just reminded myself why I specifically thought of the West Wing. And it's because when... Oh, gosh. What are their names? Toby. Sam. President Bartlett. No, not the West Wing Craig. people's names. They're all named Captain America, dum-dum. <laughs> so it's when the, the campus Captain America and the... can't remember any of these kids' names. Ariel Ag- Agbayani. The campus Captain America? Yeah. And Aaron. When they show up... They talk about how they just sang Hamilton the whole way over. Uh-huh. And I was like, oh, there it is. Yeah. <laughs> Gosh, I, I like Hamilton. I like Lin-Manuel Miranda. He's so, he's so overhyped. So overrated. He totally, he totally phoned in Encanto and I will not accept it. You didn't like Encanto? It's fine. The man put in the work for Moana. He did not put in the work for Encanto. <laughs> <laughs> oh, so much of Encanto just feels like Hamilton leftovers. I don't know. I don't know. I can't be objective anymore. That's constantly in my head. Like, I like it's just, I wake up and it's, we don't talk about Bruno. And like the, I love, I love his, uh, Luisa the, yeah, I had, to, I had to think about, what's her name? Oh yeah, the guy says, Luisa the donkeys. And that makes me laugh every time. What, I, what I'm going to say is, what I'm going to say is the, the music that he wrote for Moana actually felt like it was from the culture. The music he wrote for Encanto did not feel like it was from the culture. Fair. Well, well, I don't know what Colombian music is, and now I'm just lost. <laughs> but anyway, like, okay, so there's a YouTuber who talks about Hamilton. His name's FD Signifier, or his channel's name is FD Signifier. And he has a video on Hamilton and points out that Hamilton really could have only come out during the Obama administration. Oh, yeah. Because... Yeah, it, it represents this sort of very particular brand of American optimism mm-hmm. that I think this book kind of embodies. And I'm not really in the mood for it. But I am here for all of these characters. I do want to see all of these characters again, except for U.S. Agent. But with the addition of Bucky, I freaking love Bucky Barnes' Captain America outfit. I actually yeah. cheered when it showed up again in issue five. Yeah. I would not be surprised if they just straight up adapt this for a future. If they do, a, I don't think they need to do a Cap, like a, a Captain America and Winter Soldier, um, like Falcon and Winter Soldier show again, because the other one, it just wasn't that good. There was maybe like what? one mater- one episode worth of like stuff that was like good, good, objectively good, and not just like, well, it's okay for this show. So frustrating, because I love Anthony Mackie. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was very frustrating. And uh, you liked it? Yeah, all, the, bit, all of it? I wanted to like it. It just, like, it didn't quite, like, have enough there that I wanted. And then, I mean, at the end, like, the new, like, the Cap Falcon outfit was awesome. But, like, that's yeah, not that's, enough. Uh, I, I actually hate uh, Sam's <laughs> Captain America costume, so I hated that they what? brought that over verbatim. I hate oh. it. <laughs> it's so stupid. <laughs> Just give him well, a- today on John's Wrong About Everything. No, you're fine. We just have different opinions. On no, 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 no. I just see a, <laughs> I just see a comic about people wearing stars and stripes and punching. That's all I see. <laughs> They're going on a road trip. It's a buddy comedy. No, this isn't like a uh, hard traveling heroes, Green Arrow, Green Lantern kind of like social warrior kind of callback or or the 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 team that we need today to give voice to the voice nope it's just dudes on the road punching nazis john sees only two feet deep in the water he sees no coral reef no sharks only only lily pads only the stuff right up top on the surface he's just a dumb dumb urinal cake that's all he is john reading comics in the corner with his big cone hat 
I will say that I think this is the episode, like, these issues have brought out the most diversity of opinions that we've had in a long time. Yeah, probably. (sighs) (laughs) Even though I don't think we're actually all that divided on the quality of these stories, maybe the Cap story, I don't know. We'll we'll have to see. Yeah, I was was pretty positive on it until you reminded me about the torture. (laughs) The torture, oh (laughs) Which it feels a little out of left wing. (laughs) Uh, it feels a little, yeah. It feels kind of like, like it comes out of nowhere to like suddenly, suddenly t- torture, right? Right. Well, the fact that everyone else is just like watching TV while it's happening. Yeah, and they're just fine with it. Yeah, that bothered me. I also have a problem. Okay, so in a lot of books, every time a civilian tries to help Captain America, he's like, "Hey, calm down, you know, buddy. I have the training. I have the super soldiers here." But in this one, they're like, "Hey, college girl, jump out of this plane with me." <laughs> Yeah, I mean, that's more fun. <laughs> like, that's kind of like a weird like a weird discrepancy I have with this book, where it's like, hey, I'm all for it, but also, let's not forget, the runaway probably hasn't had, a, like, a real healthy meal in weeks, probably. I, is he strong enough for any of this? Ah, he's scrappy. <laughs> let's do this thing. He's wearing my same shirt. It did make me kind of, like, raise an eyebrow when everybody's, like, driving off to, you know, uh confront the villains but cap won't let u.s agent drive because he's drunk and he won't let the kids ride motorcycles because they don't have the appropriate licensure for it, it was very you know language but not funny it's it's a, the so, bummer part of being awful book. good i think except for when you turn the blind eye to torture now to be fair she's definitely guilty like <laughs> it's not like we caught somebody who might be guilty let's try to get some information out of him like red-handed and a Nazi. Let's not forget that it's the Nazi part. That's something they but might get glossed balanced. over. But also, but also, this reminds me of like a conversation Stephen had with us one time about torture. <laughs> I love Stephen had with us. It sounds like I lectured you. I Sat us down and said, "Now, now, boys, <laughs> we let you talk." And then at the end of it, we were just like, "You know what? You're right." <laughs> was it one of those? I can't remember. Was it one of those like Stephen convinced us how bad torture was, and it yes. was like. Yeah, yeah, we know. <laughs> like we, it's not like we were considering it. One of the things that you mentioned was specifically about how torture really doesn't work, and like it always comes out as really effective in the Punisher comic. That's the specific conversation I'm referencing. And yeah. in here, it's not exactly the same situation, but again, we have torture. We have somebody who says, you know, anything, really, because there's no way to confirm whether or not what they said was true or not. And guess what? It was a trap, because torture doesn't work. It's a fair point, actually. Yeah, that's, I think, that's and that, I think that, that's, like, intentional. It's not just, like, yeah, you got some torture out of him, but, the, you know, it's, they did it on purpose, like, oh, they're going to try to get some information out of me. I'll give them the information. They'll be, we'll bring them all in one spot and blow them up. Suckers. But again, like most negative things in this book, it doesn't really get dwelt on. It just kind of nope. gets, you know, just we, we we talk about it. It gets like a couple sentences and then we move on. Torture guy is treated as a necessary evil that the other Captains America have to put up with. <laughs> it's like we don't like him. We don't like what he does, but he's necessary. He's... Hashtag not great, Bob. <laughs> yeah, like many pages of American history. Um... <laughs> Captain America prefers to skip past the torture bit. <laughs> oh my gosh, have you guys ever seen the, the the skit where Captain America does not know that the US dropped the bombs on Hiroshima and he's stop- oh no. and he's stopping a terrorist and he's like who's about to drop a nuclear bomb on some place and he's like who would do that? Who what sort of person would could justify dropping a bomb on a civilian 
uh, Barry and stuff like that. And like the person that's with him is just like, uh, you should just, you should just throw the shield at him now. <laughs> I can see like a kid, Bucky, like tugging on his sleep. Not now, Buck. And he's like, but, 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 He's like, oh, you didn't, you didn't finish watching the, oh, you didn't finish watching the videos, did you? <laughs> oh, put that on the top of your little notebook. Uh, are, are we ready to rank these? Yeah, because I, I mean, they're both good, but like, eh, eh. listen, some yeah. of these other books that we have on our list didn't make me think and feel bad. So <laughs> this is going right around red, white, and blue, red, red white, and black, aren't they? Oh, yeah. We'll I didn't want to say Nichelle, she, like, she calls out um, Isaiah, oh, Isaiah Bradley. Bradley. Yeah. And it's what like, happened ooh. to Isaiah Bradley? I feel like I missed out on something. Well, Wasn't isn't that... Isaiah Bradley the... Hold on. Is Isaiah Bradley the Patriot? Yes. Or is Isaiah Bradley... Isaiah Bradley's the Patriot? Oh. Well, isn't it? Hold on. I gotta... that character... No, that... Isaiah Bradley is is the star of Red, White, and Black. Yeah. Oh, okay. Oh, never mind then. Okay. Don't, totally, totally fair. Were you thinking of the Young Avenger? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, That's no. That's Elijah it was the... Bradley. Yeah, 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 yeah. There we go. Okay. Wait, who does she bring up? Um... Isaiah Bradley. Is she it? brings up Isaiah Bradley, so that's that's a reference From to Red, Red, White, and, Red Black. White, and Black. Yeah, she knows her history. I feel bad because like the whole time I was thinking, like, what did they do to poor Patriot? <laughs> I mean, Isaiah and Elijah Brad. Like, I, I I get it. If you haven't read the stories in a while, I forgot what Patriot's name. Oh yeah, there is Captain America. Isaiah Bradley mentioned. Currently on our list, we have 185 stories. Number 93, if my math is right, is about the midpoint, which is the Ghost Racers Battle World story. And yeah, that tracks. Um, that's that's a perfectly middle comic. I feel like. How did the, how did that rate over Demon Bear? Uh, Demon Bear did not have the benefit of having Native American consultants that we could determine. All right, moving on. And it had a couple of people turn into Native Americans and that just be like a thing that happens. Wait, did I tell you guys that um, I waited long enough um, and my expectations were low enough that when a couple weeks ago when I watched New Mutants that I didn't uh, I didn't hate it. I uh, Because enough people were like, meh, oh, it's not that great. Blah, blah, blah. And uh, I watched it and I was like, hey, look at this. Look at this X-Men movie. And the worst part is, is like there was so much like potential in there. And it's like, hey, a superhero movie that's not like just an action movie. It's a horror movie. And like, look at this. Look at them go. And Anya Taylor-Joy is in it. And the other the other kids are pretty good too. And then, and, uh, and then there's like a lot of it's just bad. And then, yeah, there was like a, a little little kernel of goodness in there and a good idea that kind of just got like meh. Anyway, I'm going to watch it someday. Today is not that day. You know, you know what probably could have saved you from that would have been a trailer or two. You shut your face. <laughs> I will go in. I will go in blissfully unaware of all the twists and turns. Comedies are, are saved this way because the joke that gets told to death in the trailers is still funny when you go to the theater. What do you think about what do you think about trailers now? <laughs> I watched the trailer once. <sighs> so <laughs> where do we want to rank Doctor Strange the Oath? I was looking at um, uh, Last Days of Magic as like a kind of an anchor point to, okay, that's that's another Doctor Strange story that we enjoyed. Yeah. Um, I don't know, because I really enjoyed that. But I'm also like, I'm partial um, to that creative team. But this creative team is very good too. Yep. We have three, J- currently we have three Jason Aaron books in a row. Last oh Days of gosh, Magic, yeah, God did. Butcher, and Heroes Reborn. But up, but up, but up. Apparently, we think Jason Aaron is top twenty-five-ish uh, material. Twenty-fifth best. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> that's my thought too. I'm gonna say that I think I would rather read Last Days of Magic again. Yeah. Because it gave me, you know, 
Hellboy vibes, and I love me some Hellboy comics. But oh gosh, with how much the oath made me made me think, I almost want to put it higher. But I think 25 is my ceiling. Like, I actually do think I'd rather read The Last Days of Magic than The Oath. And see, I, I, would, I see... How did... Guys, I am forgetting so many of these comics we've read. Forget Me Not. How did that get up to 30? Because it's good? Yeah, it's good, but I don't remember it being like... You know, I don't know, whatever, whatever. That's my floor is <laughs> I, I think I like it better than Forget Me Not. And so some somewhere between 25 and 30 is my current thinking until Aldo brings up whatever point he's going to bring up to prove me wrong. Go ahead, Aldo. No, that's around the area I was thinking. My my initial my initial thought, like literally my initial thought was like Triumph and Torment and then knock it down a few pegs. <laughs> oh, yeah, it's not as good oh, as Oh, yeah, no, no, not at all. Um, not even, yeah. I, I... I'm a little mixed because I feel like this is at least a more complete story than Last Days of Magic. Because Last Days of Magic, doesn't it kind of lead to something else? I think it does. But, like, that's fine because that was an ongoing series. But, like, I don't know that that, that that makes it worse or better than this. I'm kind of mixed. I'm kind of stuck around that same comparison point. I kind of would hate to break up the Jason Aaron tetralogy. I mean, trilogy. Oh, <laughs> I want to break it up, <laughs> but I'm not sure I want to break it up with this because actually I'm looking Heroes Reborn. I think I might like better than this. I definitely like Runaways better than this, but I would put it above Black Bolt Hard Time. That's fair. Uh, I think I like Black Bolt better, but I'm willing to let you two uh, take the lead on that. We could put it between Runaways and Black Bolt. Good. The triumvirate continues to work. <laughs> so that's the new number 29 you're not really going to be saying that after the next uh <laughs> no i'm not <laughs> oh gosh oh gosh i do not know what we're going to do with this next one <laughs> anyway number 29 is where the uh, doctor strange the oath goes united states of captain america i guys you guys have to say something first because i have no idea listen like where it's good it's good and i i think that it's like, as bad as it gets, it's just kind of meh, and it's more just... It, it's tricky because of, like, the time that it came out and the things that it's saying, and it um, it, 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 it touches on bummers, <laughs> so it's hard to, like... Uh. I feel like this is a more positive, happy-go-lucky version of Truth, Red, White, and Black, and so yeah. because of that, I don't want to put it up as high as Truth, Red, White, and Black. <laughs> I was going to say, the fact that it's so positive actually kind of makes it worse. A little bit, because it's so... Yeah. Because Red, White, and Black at least dwells on the one thing it's commenting on that's bad, and really kind right. of explores why it's bad, and what the people can do to, like, dress it, maybe, or at least think about it, but, like... This doesn't really. This is just like, hey, cool. You want to throw some untrained civilians into like a Nazi fight? <laughs> yeah, this is a a survey course in in problems. Yeah, uh. I I really I really do love the message and like the optimism, which is kind of rare because I'm not a big fan of like optim. Yay, optimism! We can we can save things with happiness and love. But like this book gave me some feel goods. Um, so like I'm, I don't know. I, I don't want to rate it too low. Definitely, definitely, uh, not lower than a hundred. But I don't. No, know. I'm looking. I think my my low. I don't remember enjoying Spider Man Noir very much, and that's at sixty five. I remember being surprised by it. Mm -hmm. Like it was surprisingly enjoyable. I thought, and it was the lesser racist of the noir books. It was the lesser racist of the noir books. That's probably why it was a little enjoyable <laughs> when compared to others. Guilt-free noir. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I would put this... Did I have... 
kind of want to put this actually kind of a really good area at least for me because i was thinking i kind of want to put the round kang dynasty is kang dynasty is that the one where he crashes on his on his ship and then fights Captain sword ship. with the sword the literal sword of damocles is a ship is that the one yeah that's the okay, one cool then i want to put this above like the prisoners of doom that's that's kind of where i was thinking actually this is it's all right Steven, okay let us have it i don't think i'm gonna persuade you because there's a part of me that wants to take it lower than that how much lower um a lot but i don't think it's worth debating um yeah like because i'm looking at the list it's like i would actually rather read that star wars a new hope manga than this again i i just want but that's kind of frustrating because it's like i want all of these characters and ideas to come back i just don't want this <laughs> right uh-huh. uh yeah we can put it between kang dynasty and and uh, fantastic four number five okay so so i'm not going to disagree with you but i'm not gonna agree um <laughs> <laughs> i think at the, at the bare minimum uh the Fantastic Four issue has legacy over this book. First appearance of Doctor Doom. Yeah, that's a big deal. But we can put it above Spider-Man Noir. I'm fine I think with that's it. I'm fine. fine with that. Okay, so that would be the new number 65. Man, that Hamilton reference. And I like <laughs> Hamilton. That Hamilton reference really ticked me off. <laughs> I, I hate all, all pop culture references in Marvel Comics. It's always heavy-handed and clumsy. It's very annoying. Ugh. <gasps> I'm just tired of the Linsanity. Now, you're tired of my boyfriend, Lin-Manuel Miranda? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Lin Sanity was about the NBA player. Never mind. <laughs> I can't pretend to know about <laughs> Okay, so we've worked really hard this episode. It's been a long one. Yeah. Uh, next time, we're giving ourselves, I think, a little bit of a break. I don't think we're going to have as much philosophical discussion. We're only reading one story. It's a little bit of a longer one. We're reading Ultimates. The original, what is that, 2006 or early 2000s comic uh, featuring imperialist Captain America. Should be good. Won't be good. <laughs> Could be good. It, it won't be good. Miles Morales comes from this universe, but he's not in the Ultimates. Correct. I believe. The Ultimates. Oh, 2002. Um, oh, it's even earlier. Yeah. Oh, this is the one that has that really grody Iron Man suit design. Oh, yeah. I, the fact that the Ultimates produced so many good stories, kind of baffling when, like, every single Ultimate story I've read that didn't involve Spider-Man has been bad. But I haven't actually read Ultimates yet. Is this, uh, this is Samuel L. Jackson, Nick Fury, right? Yeah. This is where it starts? Yeah. See, that's, that, I can get behind that. I'm okay with that. I kind of also hate that, like, the Ultimates is really what inspired, or or maybe not inspired isn't the right word, but really set the direction for a lot of the MCU movies. Yeah. At least visually. Yeah, well, yeah. Spe- especially um, in that first, that first phase. We will talk about how the movies make some very important differences. <laughs> Mostly in that they're good. <laughs> Basically, I think what I'm saying is we're tired of, of thinking and feeling like all of these deep complicated emotions and next time i think we just want to feel pain that'll do yeah actually i think there's 13 issues according to the no how i learned to love the there's 13 oh gosh there are 13 issues scrap it okay we got to find a new book now (laughs) (laughs) punisher meets archie go if only no that's a real thing guys i know but if only it was on the app
that's like one of our two stipulations is that one, it has to be Marvel. Two, it has to be on the app. Here's the thing. It only has to be on the app. It doesn't actually have to be Marvel. Because how many of those Dark Horse Star Wars comics are on here that we've read and ranked? You know what? That's fair. I guess the only... Yeah. Which makes me sad because that means we'll never read Trouble. We don't talk about Trouble. No, no, no. At no. Manhattan Pregnancy. Oh, boy. <laughs> 